Hello. On this podcast, we talk about movies, their faults, their flaws, and their plots. So, expect some spoilers. You've been warned. Welcome to Plot Spackle. I'm John, and I like my hot chocolate dark with a hint of cinnamon. I'm Eric, and I like my hot chocolate with cocoa nibs and French pressed. I'm Richard, and I like my hot chocolate away from me with someone else because Wassel is better. And we're here on Plot Spackles. We're going to talk about plot holes of a movie. And uh, we actually don't have hot chocolate or wassail with us, guys. That's it's kind of sad. It's a it's a lack of foresight. But uh, since we can't use hot chocolate, I'm saying you're a liar, John. I definitely did have hot chocolate down here very recently. I have my mug right over there. Well, we can't use this hot hot chocolate to fill our plot holes. So what are we going to fill our plot holes with? Um, child actors and. Uh... Home Improvement References? Huh? That's right, because we're talking about the Santa Claus. Starring Tim the Toolman Taylor. It's a holiday movie for a holiday season. Now, uh, hey Eric, what is this movie about? So this movie follows our titular character, not the Santa Claus, at the moment. We are following Scott Calvin as he makes an effort to be with his son, I guess. Does like, he really make an effort, though? He shows up, but they're at his house, so. <laughs> so, Scott Calvin is a divorced father who is spending Christmas with his son. He's going through the motions, trying to make a turkey that takes four hours to bake in less time, burns that. But then at the end of the night, he's reading a story to his son, who unfortunately has begun to doubt the existence of Santa Claus. In the dead of night, Scott's child, Charlie, hears a clatter uh, upon his roof. Scott, being the sensible man, thinks it's a prowler. So Scott Calvin confronts the prowler upon his roof, which happens to be Santa. But... This, in turn, startles Santa, and he falls off the roof and uh, is disposed of. Or he is made late. Summarily incapacitated. Perpetuity. But, upon you know, make, Scott's not a bad, bad guy. He goes to check and make sure that Santa's okay and finds a card in his, in his cloak. Not his cloak, his coat. He finds a card in his coat that says, Put on my suit, and the reindeer will know what to do. Startled, he looks up and notices that Hey, there are reindeer on my roof. So they climb up and through a series of shenanigans ends up finishing up Santa's runs for that night. After that, they are, they go to the North Pole where it is explained to Scott that by acting as Santa Claus, he has agreed to become Santa Claus and he has one year to set his affairs in order during this time. While not believing that he is actually Santa Claus, it was just a bad night's dream. He slowly takes on the form of 
the Santa Claus. And he, he comes to appreciate his son just in time to never have be able to see him again. Basically, yeah. Understands that the true gift is the gift we give to others. And, you know, the gifts that Santa brings. But yeah. Um, oh, there is a conflict near the end of the movie where Char- or Scott Calvin's ex-wife doesn't want him seeing their son again because he is being a bad influence not teaching him that santa is fake even though santa is obviously real in this movie but yeah there is a conflict and it is resolved by bringing families together so merry christmas i guess all right that's what the movie is about now now you know if you hadn't seen it what, it's almost almost 30 years old? Yes. yes. Yep. It's been around for a while. Unf- I mean, I don't. it doesn't feel like it's that old, but then I see all the cars that are in the movie, and wow, those cars look old. Now, uh, does this movie have facts about it? Are there facts about this movie? Or There's are there, several facts about this movie. Is it just fictions about this movie? Mm-hmm. Myths. Uh, it was released on November 11th of 1994. Had an estimated budget of $22 million and earned $19 million in its opening weekend. Uh, grossed $145 million in the U.S. and Canada and $190 million worldwide. So... It was a success. It There's a reason it got a lot of other sequels. Uh, the for, uh, for that week... In 1994, Tim Allen had the number one movie at the box office, The Santa Claus, the number one rated television show, Home Improvement, and the number one New York Times best-selling book, Don't Stand Too Close to a Naked Man. Huh. All he, he was on top of the world. He was he was doing pretty good. Uh there were as we said there's a lot of Home Improvement references. Uh, like where uh, the character Scott Calvin tries out tries on a tool belt at Santa's workshop, uh, the delivery driver that's that they're going f- that they talk to about directions to the interstate was one of his co-stars on Home Improvement. Was that Al? Um, I, can't, I think that was his co-star's I think name. that was Al. Yes, and uh, did he not have his beard on? No, I don't think he did. No, uh, that, that might be why I didn't recognize him. Uh, no, it wasn't Al. It was, uh, Benny. Who the heck is Benny? Oh, well, it doesn't matter. Anyhow. Uh, and Judy, uh, also plays a character on Home Improvement. So, a few. Um, and then, uh, while, when they first arrive at the North Pole... There's an elf who very conspicuously enters the code one two three nine. Yeah, into the keypad. Uh, because uh, Rudolph the Red Nosed Reindeer went was launched as a song in December of nineteen thirty nine. So twelve thirty nine uh-huh. for Rudolph letting getting the sleigh. Where was Rudolph? There was a lack there, of Rudolph. Uh, was, copyrighted. Yes. Okay. <laughs> 
So they kind of had to do this one. And then uh, when the cops are staking out the Miller home and they've got their chalkboard, they have a note that the neighbors are on vacation in Florida. (laughs) When, you know, uh, two years before this movie was Home Alone 2, when the McCallickers go on vacation to Florida. Yep. So not only home improvement references uh, and the sounds used for Comet the Reindeer are old sound effects from Doom. Doom, like the game? Doom, yes. Or, okay. I guess the movies hadn't come out at this point, but. Yeah, from the, the video game. I'm going to have to listen to that again. It's the, the grunts and stuff are mm. from the, are the same mm. uh, sound effects from Doom. Okay. So, you know. And, and now we know. There you go. Tell some facts. We have facts. We, we, we know what the movie's about. We know what time it is now. Time for plot holes. Time for plot holes. I do have another uh, entertaining thing. Oh, okay, one more one more thing. Uh, the dance that they do in their montage yeah. was improvised. They they did they were just kind of messing around and they decided but the director's like, no no, that, that stays. I don't. I think I missed that part. But. Well, like because it's when they're walking and it's playing. Uh, as a give me all your loving. I think so. Yeah. And uh, in the in, like they're walking in the middle. They all just kind of go like, hmm. like, and then they keep walking again. Yeah. Now, now, here's a question. Then now, maybe we'll start with that. That's a plot hole. How did they know? They can't hear the music. They uh, have the it's music. part of the Eldritch Magics. I think you know Santa Claus. They had the music in their heart. I mean, it what? turns out that that music was being piped through the uh, workshop. All right, all right. So, so the music that we hear in the movie was in fact playing in the uh, in the workshop. Yeah. All right. Uh, where are we getting our plot holes from? Besides the one that we just brought up, uh, we've got a couple off of IMDb, and then I got this whole list uh, from Bustle. The Santa Claus had some serious plot holes. Is the name of this article. And then they list the list uh, plot holes, which is rare. Yeah. So good for you. Good for you. Um, Nicole Pom- Pomerico. Pomerico. Yeah, whatever. She does. Hopefully she doesn't listen to this. But but if she did, you did a good job of actually listing plot holes in your article that says there's plot holes. Okay, so IMDb first, I guess. I mean, they could have named their article, like, Santa Claus has so many plot holes, I had to check the list twice. Yeah, that's what, you know, five Yeah, but that would have been a, that would have definitely been a clickbait one where they didn't actually list any plot holes. That's true. And you got to look at your uh, SEO optimization. Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, how many people are checking their search results twice? Santa Claus does. He checks your search results twice. (laughs) Very disappointed. All right, so what's your first plot hole? <laughs> so the first plot hole is when Scott slash Santa is arrested, he leaves Charlie and the reindeer waiting on the roof of the Miller house. When the ELFS squad comes to the house, they find Charlie alone. The reindeer and sleigh have disappeared with no explanation whatsoever. Um, I feel like there's a uh, a field of some sort because... They couldn't really see that they didn't see the reindeer on the roof until they found the uh, 
the suit in the first place. Like back when uh, they kill uh, OG Santa, Santa one. What are we going to call the first Santa? Shorthand here. Santa Prime? I don't think he was Santa Prime, though. Well, I get for this universe. Because there were at least eight pictures in the workshop. Um, pre- so let's call him P.S. Right. Previous Santa. Previous Santa. So P.S. When they find P.S., they don't see like the reindeer and sled on the roof when he's saying, hey, what are you doing up there? It's not until, you know, they pick up the... Uh, the empty clothes and the card and look up and see the and it, sled there. So I think if you're not touching the sled or the clothes, you can't see the the reindeer sled. Was it Charlie who saw them first? Or what did he? He did say, say the those reindeer. Because he's like, what, what does he mean reindeer and the sled? So maybe it has to also be part of the ch- a child's like belief as well is stronger than a, an adult's. I like, think that's definitely part of it, but it's something that we're going to touch on a lot. Uh, it's part of the uh, fey magic that powers Santa. But I, my, my point here specifically is Charlie got out of the sled and he could not get back into the sled because Santa was no longer present. He stepped out of the, uh, the protected sled area. Well, and... I think that he was probably fine, but since Santa was taken away, they, he was not. He wasn't within close enough proximity for Santa to fuel the magic that was keeping it there. Because later, the sleigh and reindeer suddenly reappear for them to take off from the roof. So the reindeer, I think it's powered by Santa itself. They're tied to a proximity towards Santa or whatever. Mm-hmm. To the designated Santa? Yes. To the Santa Claus. So would the reindeer then be like familiar Santa's familiars? Yes, eight uh, eight tiny familiars. Uh, they're not really tiny. I guess. Well, I mean, in the the poem, then twas the night before Christmas. They're supposed to be tiny. Look, the but... poem is just artistic license. You cannot consider that poem to be a hundred percent canon. It is all fanon, especially because they talk about how there's. A, they there arose such a clatter, which was a loud. Suddenly came a loud noise, when clearly, as presented in the film, there is a Rose Suchik ladder by the Rose Suchik Ladder Company. Okay, that was a, that was a fun part. I like like watching it as an adult. It was that's kind of clever wordplay. Like I, I understood it as a kid, but I appreciate it more. But I'm gonna. I have a fi- nagging feeling that a lot of these plot holes are going to be solved by. It's magic, guys. Look, but we are defining the rules of the magic. We're, we're pointing Isn't out... Isn't that kind of like not... Ma- that's Okay, I guess that's Brandon Sanderson magic, but... We're taking a soft magic system and making it slightly harder. All right, what's the next plot hole? <laughs> well, towards the end of the movie, when Scott Calvin has fully become Santa, he begins to start making his rounds during the following Christmas. Now, legend has it the Santa only comes in the middle of the night after children are asleep, References made alluding to this earlier in the film. However, at the time Santa is arrested, he is shown delivering presents in what appears to be early to mid-evening with adults and children milling around the streets, still dressed, not in pajamas, with a fair amount of traffic on the streets. I believe Charlie solves this in uh, in one of the scenes. He's talking to Neil. Neil's trying to psychoanalyze him. And just convince him that Santa's not real. He talks about, well, how does Santa get around the world in a single night? And 
Charlie explains that, well, there's kind of a slip time uh, effect that goes on. And so I'm going to expand upon that. I think it is always midnight when Santa, around Santa, because of his horrible eldritch magic. And time passes normally outside his little Santa bubble. But wherever he's at, it's always midnight. And that's why he can also get around the world in a single night, because it is a perpetual night for him. And it's always midnight. It's always midnight. So so he launches at midnight and he returns it. Well, he returns near the be- uh, early morning. So I guess, yes, time is slowly passing, but it is still. But it's a stretched thing. Look, I will point out that it's the legend that states that. So we can just assume that the legend is wrong or misinterpreting. As remember, midnight is a creation of man, not eldritch forces. It's true. The true fae don't care what time it is. And based on the travel pattern the reindeer do earlier in the film, we know they're not going house to house. They have a unique schedule, so to so so to say. I bet they're spelling out archaic runes, which is fueling the time magic. Traveling along ley lines. And so you just need to be at a house when no one is awake. That's actually the... Uh, um, like rules. So as long as it's midnight, you have to show up when the parents and the kids are asleep. So if your neighbors are still up and about, they can't see you because you're, you have the concealment pet magic besides their kids. I think the kids could see Santa because of the kids belief. Oh, that and uh NORAD. Of course. Yeah. Well, I mean, but no, again, NORAD is using science to fight, to fight the Eldritch magic. It's essentially cold iron. I don't understand that reference, but whatever. Cold iron affects the true fae. It's it's all right. That's why you put the horseshoe to oh, stop. Oh, I thought it was like something from a book or whatever. No, we're we're talking about we're talking about Ancient the fae magic. Folk. Yeah, and so that's how uh, that's how you get around it. You you go to the houses and you're following a specific pattern that allows him to reach the prime, sneak into a person's house, and leave presents time. So yeah, more magic. It's all magic, guys. (laughs) Wow, what a cop-out. Yeah. But but like you said, we are defining the magic. We're narrowing it down. We're figuring out the rules. You can write this down so you're not running off of some poem telling us what the canon is. We know what the canon is. All right. The card in Santa's suit says that the person who finds the card has to put the suit on, and the reindeer will know what to do. However, Scott gets in the sleigh, and the reindeer take off before he has put the suit on. I'm going to put out that the reindeer seem to be fairly intelligent throughout the rest of the film, and that they probably know what to do whether you put the suit on or not. And uh, they deemed that it deemed it unlikely that he was going to put the suit on in the moment, and just took off because they need a Santa. Well, is the exact phrasing on the card, put on the suit... And the reindeer will know what to do. It's uh, because th- if it's I think it's put on the suit, comma the get reindeer. In the sleigh, the reindeer will know what to do. So it's two different statements. Yes. Not not an if then. If you put on the suit, the reindeer will know what to do. It's put on the suit, the reindeer know what to do. Do we have yeah. a copy of the card? We have. 
Let's get in. Let's check this. Look for an Oxford comma. <laughs> the best sort of commas. Pulling up the image now. Just imagine it in your heads. Riveting podcast. Beep boop, beep boop. Santa Claus, if something should happen to me, put on my suit. Period. The reindeer will know what to do. They are two separate sentences on the card. So as long as they show up in the sleigh, he has basically accepted the contract to become Santa Claus. He doesn't even have to put on the suit. I th- I think the uh, putting on the suit is the no. the final binding. No, it's part of the uh, clause itself. Is by putting on the suit. with Because the clause states that in putting on the suit and entering the sleigh, the wearer waves rights to their previous identity. So if they never put on the suit but still got in the sleigh, I'd assume they would complete Santa's job for that evening, but they would have to find but they another would not, Santa. They would still have to find another Santa because he did not uh, agree to all the terms and conditions of the fake contract. Except for the reindeer know what to do and you don't know what's going on. You are engaging with forces that you do not understand. That, they will get you to put on that suit. They will make sure you get in the sleigh. That's how the Fae get you. I mean, they made sure to go while Scott Calvin was in his underwear, so he doesn't have any other clothes. Oh, yeah. It's cold as... outside, isn't it? It's a nice, warm suit. I mean, it's it's fur. Probably leather, even. Like, it's ancient. It's an antique. Let's just say they're mischievous creatures. These fae folk. All right. All right, yeah. So, here we're going. It's... So, now let's get to the uh, Bumble. Bustle. Bustle. It'd be funny if there was a Bumble Christmas list. Probably is. Because Bumble's bounce, you know. Bumble's bounce. Okay. So, the first item on the Bustle article is, where did the last Santa actually go? Which sounds like the lyrics to a Christmas song. Where did the last Santa go? Or where was my last Santa? I don't know. A lot of weird ways to do this song. So anyways, when he falls off the roof, we see him vanish, leaving every, everything but his clothes. The idea is Santa's dead, right? But there's no body to prove it. And when Scott and Charlie get to the North Pole, the original Santa is nowhere to be found. So it's not just like he went home to chill and let someone else take over his duties. So we're supposed to believe there's a naked, a dead naked guy in Santa heaven somewhere, supposedly. That's the only explanation I can come up with. I mean, we know that Santa, as soon as you become Santa, your body no longer follows standard rules of physics. As we can note by the changes happening to Scott Kelvin, to where he has a pulse that, uh, and vital signs that indicate normal that, healthiness in all defiance of observed, well, and can well, alter his heartbeat to play Jingle Bells. Santa Claus is coming to town. Is it Santa Claus? I thought it was Jingle Bells. It's Jingle Bells. I'm probably wrong, but it's one of... I thought You're it was... totally wrong, because it's do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do, and he pulls it away, and he puts it back. It's do-do. Yeah, which it's means not only... Not only a can shave his... and a haircut. Not only um, can his heartbeat be irregular and produce uh, Christmas songs, but it can pause itself for a joke. Well, that's because Santa's all jolly. Well, and on top of this, though, because they talk about how in the in the Santa Claus, 
you lose the right to your own identity by virtue of the of the contract with the with the fae which means that uh, you are now actually becoming a magical construct and your original form as it will will slowly waste away and rot and so where the previous santa was an incarnation of santa and then when he is no longer able to do so by accident or design that identity has to go away and it is just erased by the by the same eldritch contract that enforces the Santa Claus. So I, I feel like we were seeing the uh, previous Santa's true form, but his true form at that point was uh, he died. He would have been dead several hundred years ago. And thus is. And it's gone. It's gone. I'm just going to tie this back to another Disney movie. Like we see Obi-Wan and Yoda both disappear and become one with the force. I'm thinking that Santa Claus is doing the same thing. He becomes one with the Fae or whatever the heck magic he runs on. I don't know. I just don't think the Force and Fae magic are the same kind of thing. They're magic. They can be whatever they want to no, be. No, there are different magic systems, Eric. <laughs> yeah, it's magic. We'll, we'll make it work. They might be similar, but they're not. They don't work exactly the same. That's why these rules the force, are important. The force doesn't uh, really care about whether or not you uh, signed the end user license agreement. Pretty sure that's what the midi chlorians are for. And that's, Life Day. Don't forget about Life Day. Don't worry, <laughs> I can never forget about Life Day anymore. <laughs> I refuse to remember Life Day. <gasps> so, as a side note. We're, we're starting to work on our uh, Plot Spackle Christmas podcast or Christmas playlist. Uh, you guys should check that out, by the way. I tried to find Leia's uh, song from the end of the holiday special just to throw that in there. I think that would be a really mean joke, but it is unfortunately not on Spotify for some reason. All right. <laughs> but back to, uh, yeah, Santa Claus got reabsorbed back into the Fae. Or. What or maybe he, there's a sophisticated <laughs> husk in the woods, some in suburbia somewhere. There's uh, the mantle of Santa Hood <laughs> has descended upon a uh, Scott Calvin and abandoned its previous form. Now that brings us to the second point in their article: How was Scott Calvin chosen? Was it totally random that Santa fell off of his roof, or did he commit Santicide because he knew Scott was a nice guy from the burbs who would do the job proudly? wanted him to take his place and if santa's doing such a dangerous job that part of the contract details what happens if he dies why doesn't he travel with a magical emt for safety or at least strap a bungee cord or two to his suit i think it's the reindeer that are actually choosing this and i think the reindeer are the ones that decided this santa is done we're going to go to this house now scott calvin's house he shall be the new santa as say we all. Maybe, because we do know that Santa cannot die from old age. That is true. But he can be harmed. As the elves do show that um, Scott's concern about fireplaces by giving him a flame repellent uh, suit. Something that they had declined to do for... Uh, previous santas in time back when there was more likely to be fire or at minimum hot coals in any given fireplace 
Now, I will also point out that, again, the the clause itself states that uh, he that you become Santa until you are unable to do so, either by accident or by design, which means that it can be it can be specified where this where and when this happens. And if the elves or the reindeer just choose to remove you from the Santa position, they can do so. And, you know, why not go for someone whose initials already work out? I mean, so here's the question. How do they get a new Santa if the person doesn't... Doesn't uh, put on the suit or doesn't, doesn't put on the, the suit or get in the sleigh? I mean, I, we're, we are going to go off the fact that the forces are going to manipulate you. But what if they fail to do so? How do you get a new Santa? Does that just end the Santa line? So they have a special ops does, elf does, team. Does Bernard then step up and become the new Santa? I think there's a probably a special elf squad to go hunt down the new Santa and highly encourage the new participant. Maybe at a. I'm just saying force. that maybe they take the aperture science route. Uh, who's desperate for cash and wants a quick sixty bucks? And then you get somebody who's like, yeah, I'm willing to make an extra 60 bucks for a night of work on on Christmas Eve. Oh, sold your soul for 60 bucks. And then they get they get themselves a new Santa by virtue of you of the contract. So this this Santa, um, is there like a Santa force as part of the fae magic? Like it obviously changes Scott's personality to be more jolly and whatnot. That's true. So mm-hmm. even if it's like a scumbag or whatever, it's possible this Santa force could fo- change the person into a model Santa. Well, it is because, again, back to the Santa Claus, you waive your right to your any of your previous identity, either real or implied. So even if you were a criminal, you lose your right to that identity and accept the duties resp- and responsibilities of the Santa Claus in perpetuity. So you will be forced to become the Santa Claus. The the Fey contract stipulates that you will become the jolly old elf. It is now your fate. This is getting a little darker than I remember. Man, face creatures suck. They do. So, uh... Here we go. So, uh, <laughs> speaking of which, why aren't the elves sad that Santa is dead? The guy was their boss, and a beloved one at that. So if uh, Scott Kelvin fell off a roof, they'd be pretty pr- heartbroken, right? They grow attached to him pretty quickly. So did they just why did they just Santa's die too fast? Are they just you know don't care about mortality anymore because they're elves? I mean, Santa because he can be killed is effectively mortal. Why should an immortal creature care about a mortal? Like, sure, Santa can live basically forever, but roll the dice. He is eventually going to be replaced. Well, it's also, if you think about perspective here, if we combine it with the fact that um, you do become Santa when you put on the suit means that you become the Santa they know. There's only one Santa, and then there's maybe occasional years where he uh, shaves off his beard to the equivalent, you know? 
which in a scale of life to where it's, you know, ages have passed and you're still a 10 year old looking person with sparkle glitter on your cheeks. That means nothing. I'm assuming Santa's like the elves dog or something like, yes, I care about my dog, but I'm going to go through like five of them by the end of my life. Or in this particular case, by accident or by design, what if they didn't like the last Santa? Those elves could have gotten rid of him. Maybe slipped a comet a little extra carrot, be like, you know what to do. You know, just have a little little icy patch right there on that roof. Send ahead the el- send the elf squad ahead to to put some uh, ice patches on Scott Calvin's roof. Have they been grooming Scott Calvin, watching him? Make a little bit of extra noise so that they're so that somebody inside the house wakes up. Well, let's see. The si- Scott Calvin already explained the similar similarities between him and Santa Claus. Like they're jolly, they give out toys. They work really hard one day a year. Mm-hmm. What about the ladder? The ladder showed up really quick, didn't it? The ladder was set up. It was a setup, guys. <laughs> just saying it could have been an inside job. So what, John? Uh, are you just going to say, as, as the conspiracy theorist you are, you know, reindeer pee doesn't freeze at 32 degrees. It had to be an inside job. It had to be an inside job, guys. It had to. Get your tinfoil hats on, guys. That's why the elves are so happy. Maybe maybe your personality doesn't 100% disappear. Maybe that's why Judy was so happy to give him her special made cocoa blend, because the previous Santa always said he didn't like it. I'm a Folgers man myself. And she's, she's been working on that for a long time, trying to perfect it. I mean... So maybe it was it could be an inside job. Either that or they're elves and they don't understand death. What a quaint concept. How very mortal. So speaking of the elves not being sad, what about why is Santa's actual family not sad? So again, if Scott fell off a roof, Charlie and probably his mom, but probably not Neil because he's a douchebag, would be mourning the death of his father, assuming that Santa has a real family and friends the rest uh, and f- has a real family and friends the rest of the year like Scott does, surely they notice he's gone. And since Charlie can come to the North Pole and bond with the elves, lo- the last Santa's kids would, would have too. So why are they not looking for answers? So, a couple of things. One, it's implied that the last Santa's been around for a while. So, if he's effectively immortal, his his family would have, like, kids and grandkids, if they still age probably would have moved out and gone on. And you talk about like great, 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 great grandpa. You don't assume that you're just going to go and visit him. Yeah. And they may even have, you know, like, Oh, this old wood carving. Um, <laughs> oh, your great, 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 great grandfather looks a lot like uh, Santa Claus. Yep. So that's how old men used to look, I suppose. And so wait, first earlier you mentioned there were about eight Santa Clauses, right? Mm-hmm. Or at least, Photo or there's pa- portraits there's, of eight Santa Claus. Yes. In the hall of Santas. That is an average lifespan per Santa of 249 years. Yeah. So yeah. I'm assuming Santa's family is not among the living much. Or like at least their he, father. he might have descendants, but no one who he actually knew and uh, lived with during his pre Santa life. And I will also bring up 
that, per the Santa Claus, the wearer waives their right, waves any and all rights to any previous identity. Any, like, if we're talking about the previous Santa's family, like Charlie and Susan, then he has, wa- they, the previous Santa waived his rights to that identity that was involved with that family. And the Eldritch Magic has removed their memories of that person. Ooh, here's a thought. The entire movie revolves around the fact that uh, him becoming Santa is affecting his uh, relationship with his son and his ex-wife. And the big moment of coming together is when he loses custody. He does not gain custody again. He... um. If he had not had that situation and had disappeared, it would have been a bigger issue. Well, and I will also point out that throughout the movie, we have Neil who is upset and trying to go, Santa is illogical. Santa doesn't make sense. You have to tell Charlie that Santa isn't real, which Scott repeatedly does. He's like, oh, that was just a dream. That was just a dream. It's just we a story. We can't tell anybody about it. It didn't really happen. But then when he tells him that... But when he goes, okay, yes, I am Santa Claus, everything starts working for him. Everything starts wrapping up. It start, Everybody's like, oh, okay, I guess it's okay. You can see your son again. He has to... Like, the magic has engineered a situation where Scott Calvin goes, I am Santa Claus. That's what I'm saying. I'm saying the uh, Eldritch magic also... Uh made sure that he lost custody so that uh tie up some loose ends right so, so that santa could Sant- scott calvin could become person persona non grata it's true and i'll point out that like there's that really the the supposedly really touching moment when susan's all like oh, i'll burn the burn the papers for the uh for the custody arrangements burning up that contract doesn't actually change it. It's still on file with the state. It's still in the court records that the loss of visitation rights is still there. They would have to go through another court motion to restore those. I think it's just more symbolic than anything because he's Santa. He sees him when he's sleeping and he knows when he's awake. It's true, but it's just one of those ones where like, while the family may feel that this is a good, th- this is a thing, it doesn't actually change uh, whether or not he has any real legal distinction. Because Scott Calvin, the person, doesn't have visitation rights for that child. But Santa Claus, well, now Santa Claus, he lives in the hearts of all children, doesn't he? You can't get a restraining order against Santa Claus. He's within your heart. That puts you on the naughty list. No, we're getting some dark places with this fun <laughs> family movie, guys. That's just, and we isn't that basically all Eldritch magic, though. Yeah, don't mess with Faye. Don't don't make deals with the Faye. Yeah, don't just... sign any contracts. Read the fine print. So then, uh, with this, where do the elves come from? Is this an entire race of people that's been kept under wraps for centuries? No, we used to call them the Fey Folk, Leprechauns, House Elves. We told uh, stories about them. Build altars to them in our house even now. Looking at you, Elf on the Shelf. 
I'm sorry, but in my house, we celebrate Vader on the tater. No elf on the shelf. I'm only going to accept this if uh, we go upstairs and I can see see a potato and it has Vader on it. If we don't, then I'm going to assume now that you have other shrines to the house elves, the trees you've brought inside, fake or otherwise. Just yes. because we've forgotten the old magic doesn't mean the old magic has forgotten us. Okay, that sounds horrifying, John. This is a happy <laughs> holiday. <laughs> well, I mean, obviously, all yes, holidays are I'm big. just saying that the, the elves, yeah, uh, no, they haven't been kept under, well, yes, clearly they have been kept under wraps for centuries because they like it that way. Now, we managed to banish them to the North Pole. But you brought We got up- rid of change lanes. We got rid of the fairy circles. We started working iron. We worked iron. We lined the streets with uh, electro electromagnets because uh, electricity affects them as well. And so that's why they need a mortal pl- to take the form of Santa to interact with us. So would that mean the ELFS or ELVES? I don't know. The Elf Squad or whatever. Oh, the uh, Effective Liberating Flight Squad. Yes, are they not pure fake creatures then? Because they probably can... not, because uh, elves do so, have a tendency to steal children or leave uh, so changelings they... behind. So they are they have their own supply. I'm just gonna point out that uh, when they have the uh, dads at school with Charlie in this film, the child sitting behind Charlie has elf ears, and is the one child in the in there that doesn't laugh when he says his dad is Santa. There are monitors. Uh, I didn't notice. I didn't notice that. All I noticed there was an astronaut standing in the background, which seemed really weird. Having a guy in an astronaut suit standing in the background, they, those weigh like three hundred pounds. Really, he's just that. That guy wasn't there because he was an astronaut. He was one of the people that was in ET as the astronaut <laughs> that comes through the window, which is another. Which, as a claim to fame as a child in the nineties, was pretty great. Yeah, my dad is an actor. My dad was in E.T. This is the astronaut suit I wore in E.T. I got to take it home. Were you supposed to do that? Absolutely not. Don't say anything, kids. It's called a tax write-off, guys. So, yeah, there's there's, there's probably elf-human hybrids watching Santa the whole time. Look, there, we see them throughout the film. There was the kid in Charlie's class... Uh, one of the kids at the beginning, when they're all looking at the toy store, one of them had pointy ears at the uh, end of the movie when there's the crowd. Yeah, that's the, the most obvious because that's when it's pointed out and you realize, mm-hmm. oh, there's so, a lot of these kids are actually elves. But no, they're there throughout the whole movie if you're paying attention. So moral of the story is get yourself some horseshoes, nail them over your door. Remember, turned up. I thought Not it was to... turned down so the luck falls out of the horseshoe and blesses your house. No. It's supposed to catch the bad luck. See, I know there's two different schools of thought, though. Tell you the what. The right way and the wrong way. I'll put two horseshoes on right my house. The right way and then yours? Yeah, my right way. <laughs> I think it depends on the culture, though. I think Eastern European is the horseshoe points down, and Western Europe is horseshoe points Just up. Just make sure it's cold iron. Yep. Well, it's outside. It's, of course it's going to be cold. <sighs> Ooh. You're never going to be safe from the true fae like this, Eric. All right. Speaking of which, 
speaking of our trufe, what is up with Bernard? He is significantly older and larger than the rest of the elves. I mean, do we have an elf situation on our hands? Was he born to human parents and adopted by Bob Newhart? But there are bigger elves. That was a direct quote from the uh, the article. I want to say that. I did not make that reference. That was all on, uh, what's your name? Uh, Nicole Pomarico. So we've already talked about how uh, the the true fae take changeling children. So it's entirely possible that he is... He is one such human child taken. He's not the only one that's larger and older because there is the taller one that's wearing the cloak outside of Santa's door when Judy brings hot chocolate. But he is definitely larger and older than the majority. But uh, I just put down that, you know, he is possibly one of the older Fae there. I also point out, you know, we don't know if they actually age the way people do. When an elf just comes into existence, it has a chosen form, perhaps. Kind of like a beehive or something. Like you have your worker bees and drone bees. It's just you're born into the job you need. And to he's do. the foreman elf. I mean, he is certainly the one in charge, so he could be uh, one of the one of the high fae of the unseelie court. I'm, uh, yeah, uh, I think that's 100% what it is. So, yeah, that's seems pretty good to me. Uh, he gets to tell the others around what to do because he's literally bigger than they are. That's how things work when you're small, right? I mean, it's how it worked in this movie. Santa's the biggest elf, so he's... A, Who's uh, in charge uh, here? In charge. You but are. I think the elves are really in charge. The elves are totally in charge. He is he is allowed to rule. <laughs> he is allowed to rule as long as he passed edicts that they agree with. Look, I'm just saying that they happen to keep a Punch and Judy, a always on Punch and Judy playhouse in Santa's bedroom. You know, there's also a, a Christmas train. And when I saw that this time watching it, I wondered, is Santa Claus a train guy? And I say he'd have to be, right? Well, obviously. Why is, else would he have the Polar Express? Does is, is that why the elves didn't like this old Santa? Did he have like a huge like to scale every railroad in the world in the basement? And is that what he spent three hundred and sixty four days of the year doing? Maybe he was just trying just to down pl- there playing with his trains in the basement. He really did. He lived up to the whole only work one day a year thing. Yeah. And they're like, we need a, we need a Santa who's more involved. Got to check the, yeah, got to at least check the list, man. And he's just like, oh, whatever, whatever. (laughs) I mean, yeah, we could actually tie that to another plot point later, but remind me unless we want to talk about it now. Um, The, why did Santa not bring the presents that people wanted? Yeah. Well, 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 let's get back to it. Let's go through the list in order because we got to check it twice, you know. Yeah. All right. Is it? It's my turn. So, next plot hole is how has the secret of how Santa works never gotten out? Uh, Scott Calvin is kind of a blabbermouth. He talks to just about every child who wakes up when he's delivering gifts, 
And I don't know if you've ever met a kid, but they are horrible with keeping secrets. I don't care if they are trying to keep the magic alive because there's always that one mean kid who wants to ruin it for everyone else. So you know what kids are also good at? Not being believed. Well, no. Do you know what they're also good at besides uh, telling secrets? Telling horrible stories. And do you really pay attention to when a kid's telling you a story and it's getting really boring no matter how true it is? Well, listen, they have to go through all the minor details. Like If a kid told you that they had se- they woke up and saw Santa Claus in the middle of the night. And that he's lactose intolerant. Do you, do you believe him? Or do you go, that's nice. That's a very creative story. That would, you know, good on you on working out those creative muscles. But kids, people don't believe kids because they're kids. Well, kids tend to fabricate things or embellish things. Or not quite understand and have to communicate through their understanding, which is different from yours. Also, you know, bits of how Santa works does get out. That's how we have the legends. That's how we have the poem. The poem's not 100% canon, but it does have facts. I mean, we know the names of the reindeer. And there was a rose such a clatter. And he does check the list twice and he goes down the chimneys. And if there's not a chimney, he goes down the chimney. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Wasn't this poem the first one that actually had Santa wearing the red suit as well? Cause I think this is actual like real world history stuff, but I don't think, I think before the twas the night before Christmas, Santa just kind of wore furs, but with this actual poem, it set up the he's wearing red. He has the red nose, and he's actually well. Chubby the, the bright, as well. the bright red suit, and the uh, the common popular image of Santa was uh, established by Coca Cola. Um, the poem might have been one of the more consistent descriptions, but since Santa is defined most by the exact culture, mm-hmm. it's just, just this is probably the first. Uh, unified american description of santa Mm -hmm. but as we know he is just a a his identity is an eldritch force derived from fey magic which you take upon yourself i kind of think that the fey magic is also protecting its investment as well in that it's on brand it's um (laughs) fey magic has the best branding team well, I mean, that and Coca-Cola. Yep. That's what we said. Fey magic. <laughs> so, I mean, this next one, I don't know if this is a plot hole per se, but it's certainly a gripe that our author had with the film. Why is Charlie's mom with Neil? Because, uh, according to her, the guy is the worst. He's kind of unkind to Charlie, psychoanalyzes everyone he meets, sucks the fun out of every room he walks into. And Charlie's mom seems like a nice lady and she should, she could do better. The thing about Neil though, is like, I don't think he's mean to Charlie, but he has Charlie's best interests at heart. And given the way that Charlie talks, um, in the beginning of the film, he obviously looks up to Neil. So there has to be some, uh, good interaction there. Well, and like Charlie says at the beginning, Neil listens to him. Neil actually talks to Charlie and pays attention to Charlie. 
uh he so so neil treats charlie like an equal and that is an amazing thing to a kid and being a little unkind is something that adults do to each other all the time i mean let's let's be honest uh scott calvin is also not the nicest oh no he's terrible and he is also not nice to neil so i also kind of think that neil's actually there for charlie and charlie's mom um scott couldn't be bothered to show up on time to pick up Charlie. Whereas, or even to be there for them to drop off Charlie. Cause it's at his house. They came to his house. They drove to his house and are waiting outside for him to show up. And Would, he is lying about there being traffic. And that's why he's not there. So just to tie it all together, I think Neil is there for Charlie's mom and by extension, Charlie I mean, yes, he is kind of white bread, but it it when it works, it works. And let's also point out he is he. It is stated that he is a good cook. Let that not be. Let that not be said to not be an attractive quality in someone. And he well, he, I don't want to say he's a doctor because he's a psychiatrist. Well, but he, he is a doctor. He has a doctorate. He has yeah. a doctorate. I just that's the joke that I'm, it's a continual joke. It is plenty, though. Um, he's probably bringing in fairly good money, too. Yep. And the, I mean, Scott's not bad, either. He's a vice president, I And think. looking at his house. So, it's not... They're in, like, the same... Not neighborhood, but, like, the same socioeconomic class, I would assume. So, that, that can't be an issue. I just say, we are viewing the movie from Scott Calvin's perspective. So, we're going to see... The conflict moments with Neil, not when Neil's being cool. Uh, amongst our uh, the other guy from uh, divorced parent stories and movies, I think Neil's in the upper bits for not actually a bad guy. Because sometimes the other guys are kind of bad. Yeah the the biggest crime Neil has is that he he doesn't believe in Santa, and when uh. A kid at school told Charlie, Santa's not real. He goes, well, I hate to break it to you, but... Time to rip this band-aid off. He really isn't. And if you think about it from a logical perspective, and then goes into it as a logical adult who's talking with it, talking with the kid. It's not that he's setting it. He didn't set out and go, I am going to ruin Christmas for you. That was never Neil's goal. Now, I will say that Neil probably does have some ethical questions regarding his practice. Yes, he he definitely shouldn't be the one who is doing any kind of psychoanalysis on Charlie. But again, I don't think he really does, per se. He's just, you need to not, like, this obsession with Christmas and your dad being Santa Claus is not healthy. Which, again... If you were in Neil's position and somebody was like, oh, yeah, my dad, th- this guy's Santa Claus for real, though. And he'd be like, no, <laughs> I don't like the sound of that. If anything, he's just trying to ch- talk to Charlie in the best way he knows how, the way he gets paid money to the, talk to the someone. Way, the, the way he went to school for years and years and years to learn how to talk. However, when he uh, when he starts to psychoanalyze Scott. And hands him the card. And hands him the card. That, that is a conflict of interest. The way I thought it was, like, maybe Neil's part of a practice, 
and that he was he would get a referral fee to another partner in his practice. But, but it, doesn't he say, give me a call? He does. He does say, call me. So I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt because he's not an absolute horrible person that maybe he does know someone who, listen, he'll be able to talk to you better than I could because we're too close about this. Like, this is a conflict of interest and ethically, like, I couldn't fully, you need someone who doesn't actually know you to, so you could really open up to him. Mm -hmm. Give me a call so I can help you find someone. And I could accept that because there's no way that Neil Neil would believe that Scott Calvin is going to talk to him. Given their relationship, no. All right. So, why didn't Santa bring Neil and Laura the presents they wanted in the first place? They both had a moment where they lost their belief in Santa, and it was because they didn't get the specific gift they wanted. She wanted the mystery date game, and Neil wanted a weenie whistle when he was three. If they believed in Santa at that point, why did they not get the gifts that Santa was obligated to give them? Simply, I think it's they actually didn't believe in Santa, and that was the final straw. Like, they lost their belief, and the power of Santa was not able to help them get whatever they really wanted. Well, I mean, she does do a little bit of prevarication when she talks about it. She's like, I wrote Santa a letter every week that year. Well, I mean, no, not really, but this was what I wanted. And she also said, though, that Christmas was perfect. She just didn't get the the, the game, the one thing she really, really secretly wanted. And I'm going to say that maybe Santa was also handing out the gifts that people, that, that were on the gifts that people needed, not necessarily what they wanted. Because, I mean, she talks about how she got loads of gifts. She... She wanted the mystery date game, but every but it led to this point in her life where she's married to Neil and apparently happy. And Neil became like Neil became obsessed with having it be logical and make sense because Santa wasn't there and it turned him into the person that he is. And that didn't fit as part of the plan. Or the previous Santa that the elves wanted to get rid of wasn't doing his job. It would fall under the timeline. Maybe it's just a string of abuses that... He's just supposed to be checking that list. He's playing with his trains. They're coming down being like, Whoa, um, you have a, you got these two lift, gift lists uh, backwards. And he says, does it matter? Yeah, they're, they'll get what they deserve. The bag, the bag chooses. The, the magic is always right. <laughs> the bag chooses. I hold no responsibility. I mean, when the Santa starts treating it like a job instead of a calling, then something needs to change. Then by accident or by design, we get a new Santa. Long live the Santa. Santa, there's Santa always a Santa. Dead. Long live the Santa. <laughs> all right. So next plot hole is where are the parents of all those kids at the park? I'm telling you, if my child tried to sit on a stranger's lap at the park, I would call the police so fast they need a Santa replacement again. I know things were safer in the 90s, but geez. And I think they actually solved this plot hole at the very last sentence. It's the 90s. It was a different time. Free-range parenting was all the rage. Yeah, I mean, you just go to the park without your parents a lot, didn't you? 
Oh yeah, like I'd go to a friend's house and like you ride bikes down there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, to play on the swings. There's some parent there, maybe. Now, I also want to point out the kids are approaching him. He's not approaching the kids. So a bit is it's on the parents too, you know, not teaching their kids boundaries. Mm-hmm. I mean, and isn't he actively trying to avoid the kids at first? He did. Yes, he kept scooting away from the girl. So it's just the, I'm the fame magic calls the children. I think they talk about this in Hocus Pocus. The Pied Piper. There's precedent for magic uh, stealing children. But he didn't because he's Santa Claus. Yeah. He needs children to survive. He needs children to believe in him so he can bring them gifts so the elves can keep their jobs making toys. Instead of getting into the shoe business or the cookie business. Both very dangerous. I've seen so many trees go up. Very competitive. So many Keebler elves have gone up in those trees. <laughs> Unsafe, un, unsanitary uh, hazard. Well, unsanitary. They got an oven and a tree. A hollow tree, so which means it's probably dead. And, you know, those are things are just tinder on roots. There is no OSHA <laughs> for the old magic. Pretty sure o- I'm pretty sure OSHA is a cookie type. But, yeah, it was the 90s. I mean, yes, yes, if a parent showed up and saw, like, what what's going on here? It's like, I have absolutely no idea. And I'm reasonably certain that given that it was the 90s, you would go over and talk to your kid and go like, what are you doing? And they'd go, I'm waiting to talk to Santa. It's like, stop bothering that man. Look, he's old. I'm 35. <laughs> or I think he's 38 in this movie I can't quite remember when they said how old he was But he was in his 30s Oh, he must have a t- disorder Thank you, sir, for your time Yeah, thank, thanks for uh... Apologize for bothering him I'm sorry, but, Santa but Mom, apologize Now What happens to Scott's job While he's being Santa Because, you know no offense to his boss at the toy company, the guy's kind of a jerk. And there's no way that that guy put Scott's job on hold for him from Thanksgiving to New Year's without hiring someone else. Can we reference the contract that we've referred to previously? Yes. Hold uh, on, what was that again? What What did it say? The, uh, waives any and all rights to any previous identity, real or implied. So, who cares about his job? Scott Calvin no longer exists. Scott Calvin will be replaced. They will forget Scott Calvin. They will probably also forget the uh, the Total Tank ad. That meeting will cease to exist in their mind. Like the whole, like that was a, a Fae Magic creation. So he would order the food, be annoying while he ate it, and then have an outburst about the Total Tank. It's to help him get it more into the Santa. The Santa force was coming upon him. Well, and inside the company, there was already another person that was that did it that he share had to share his work with already, and she just steps up and takes over the rest of it. That Scott guy just couldn't what, cut it in the toy yeah. business. He he just up and left. Like don't even know anything about it. It's weird. After that problem with his kid, shame really. But, you know, that was that's water under the bridge. You're our new hire or you're going to step up to fill his role. Congratulations. They never talk about Scott again because 
the fey magic and the contract declares it be so. All right, here we go. Most and finally, most importantly, where do the parents think all of these gifts are coming from? The parents know what gifts they got. How are they in this constant denial? These gifts are appearing appearing under the tree that they didn't buy. And then they're saying, "Oh no." No, that's it, I bought those gifts. It wasn't Santa. I mean, it was Santa to their kid, but in their mind, they're thinking, man, it's kind of weird. I didn't buy a canoe. Who got the puppy? So I'm thinking, so this takes place in the 1990s, as we've, you know, Richard told us. Back then, you couldn't go on to Amazon.com and order your books, I guess, at this time, because Amazon was a bookstore. Well, it wasn't even built until like 1999. Besides the point, if you wanted to do any Black Friday shopping, you had to go out to do your Black Friday shopping. You had to fight for those deals. But because it's early morning, you have to wake up early because you can't order online, like I said. And let me tell you, as an adult, waking up early when you should be getting sleep your mind kind of gets a little hazy. And I totally remember buying that toy for Jessica, I think. It, I must have. It must have been a really good deal. It was in the cart. Yeah, I definitely got that one. Even though it was Santa. And it's just the same thing. Wait, wait what if Santa's a scam? What if the elves don't make toys? What if elves just steal toys? We know that they have time manipulation magic. And so what they do is you buy the toy and then they come and steal it from wherever you're storing the toy. And then they re-deliver it I think on it's Christmas a re- Eve. Okay, I'm going to take that, but I'm going to also add to it. We talked about changelings earlier. Yeah. Where, where elves would replace children with, with fey a, children. A fey child's. I think the elves are doing the same thing with the presents. They're replacing it with a fae present at the house and Santa delivers the real thing. Like, yes, it's a wrapped box in a, in a bag, but if, if you really look at it, it's not the real present. That's, that's why, that's why the gifts don't uh, appear until you show up at the house and open the bag because that's where it's like, oh yeah, these are the gifts that are restored here. So I think these elves are the changeling elves. Oh no, I'm reasonably certain that they, they are making things. And I'm going to say that maybe some of those will work that way. Uh, But I'm going to put down that they definitely create some of these. Because you see, uh, what is one of the quickest ways to uh, land yourself in hot water with the Fae? Accept a gift from the Fae. Oh. If you accept a gift from the Fae, you are now now, in the I owe them a favor and if you accept the gift from Santa, you get a gift from the Fae. And it's, you know, it's much like the Good Omens, uh, Crowley's, Crowley's making people eat evil deed by shutting down cell phone service all, cro- all across London for 15 minutes during lunch. It's not a big, major, huge thing, but it's a small thing that adds up over time. If you get, you know, not everybody celebrates Christmas. Is, is, is that where the milk and cookies comes from? If you get 12% of the world that all accept a, all accept a gift from the Fae. I mean, because now you owe them a favor. But if you leave the milk and cookies for Santa 
that's a fake. That's a. Fa- I paid you back. I that's gave you milk and cookies. That's so if, part of it. That's if you why don't, you have to do it. That's why you put out the milk and cookies, people. You put <laughs> it out. That's why you need to. Well, this is horrifying. <laughs> Look, Santa gets dark. I'm just saying, especially this movie. But let's. Should we talk about this movie then? Because sure. we've gone through all the plot holes. Um, do we want to have a maybe a less horrifying uh, answer for this? Do we want to go maybe that uh, there's a little bit of memory magic to make the parents believe that they got those gifts? Of course. Sure. It's ma- sure. The elves can do that. Just, just bend out enough. You're like, oh, yeah, you totally got that on that Black Friday deal when you were half awake. It, was, it just was there and you wrapped it. You totally did. Well, and that's why because they definitely do that. That's why they can get the children to accept the gift from the Fae. Because the parents left out the milk and cookies, but the kids didn't. So you just better remember when you're an adult. Have the, have the kids put out the milk and cookies? Mm-hmm. Or you need to put out the milk and cookies. You have how many years to of backlog to go now through? Now I'm thinking about Bernard, Bernard giving that uh, um, sly smile as uh, Laura and uh, Neil accept the gifts from the past. Mm-hmm. Got him. And uh, that look he gives Neil when Neil takes the food back. And he didn't actually make that sandwich, did he? The Faye got him, guys. Well, he, he might have made that sandwich, but Bernard was going to, all right, here's your trade. Here's your gifts. I get the food. But you took away the food, which means you still owe that they still owe Bernard a debt. And you don't want to owe a favor to the Faye. Did, so listen, did Neil's house have one of those little, va- uh, sorry, vases with like all the colored stones in there? I don't know. With like the sticks sticking out? Because that's a good way to protect from the Fae. You got to have stuff that they can count. <laughs> that's part of the defense, people. But now, yeah, all right, now shall we talk about the movie? Yeah. <laughs> all right. So besides our uh, uh, constant referencing that the dark magics and the true horror behind the Santa Claus, I like this movie. Oh, it's I pretty like, fun. I this, like is, it too. this is a movie I've liked since, you know, I watched it as before, you know, being anything other than a child. So yeah. I, I I like this movie. I've always liked it. I I think it's a almost timeless movie. I mean, there's obviously dated parts with it being set in the 90s, but I mean, Denny's is an institution. That's not going away. Like small restaurants and it's yeah, I believe people will be able to watch this for a while. Did you guys see this in theaters or? No, it was a home video. Yeah. Same. You were what? Nine or 10 when you guys yeah. first came out. I, I would have been eight or something. So. But it's yeah, it's a good movie. And uh, and it's a movie that you watch as both an adult and a kid and you get different things from it. Like they pretty much say spell out. Oh, yeah. Son is totally fake here. But as a kid, you don't notice that you don't catch that. I don't know if I would share it with young, young kids. They might not. Uh, they not might not understand the whole like Santa's actually real. But when they start talking about. See, and I know like having spoken with this movie with some people who were really young when they watched it, the horror of having Santa die. That, that was a big thing for them. That was a big thing for them. And they were like, this is this is not cool. And everybody else was okay with it because they were a little bit older. And they're like, oh, that's, yeah. But he becomes a new Santa. But they were upset with the fact that Santa could die. 
That means there's an end to Santa. So, and like we have some practical effects, and uh, the CG hasn't aged well, but that kind of adds to the charm because it makes it more cartoony, which kind of fits Santa. And like, it it did it it did really well, and it deserved to do well. The it had a couple of sequels. We won't talk about those. The second I, don't know, one, I haven't seen them. The second one was pretty good, actually. Like, yeah, we, we, it, when in our plot holes, we ran into at least one plot hole per sequel in reference to this movie because, um, since this movie existed and then the sequels happened, the sequels had to create new lore, and it causes some problems within it. But like the second one, I I remember watching it and enjoying that one as well. The third one, I was it. I wasn't really a big fan of. That's the one with uh, I, I, Charlie, Sh- not Charlie Sheen, but Martin Shore or for. Yes, it is Martin Shore as Jack Frost. I know I've seen it. I don't remember it at all. I've seen bits and pieces. I saw it on like on TV a while ago, but. But taking this movie by itself, would you guys share it with uh, younger family members? Or, and. I know the answer is yes because I did. <laughs> that was a uh, something you watched. We had, we had so many Christmas specials and movies, but Santa Claus, the Santa Claus, is one that we can could consistently watch. So I know for me, like let's take the design of Santa. Like a lot of movies have the different design. Like Miracle on Thirty First Street has the short bearded Santa. Um, I think the Santa Claus's Santa is a the most quote unquote accurate Santa design with the, the thick beard, the kind of like not angry scowl or whatever, but it's the like a stern look. Yeah. The stern look like, you know, he's judging you, but he's like really nice. And it's like the old, the neighbor you have who's looks, looks and sounds mean, but is actually like a sweetheart, which to me is what Santa would kind of be like. So there was a funny well, bit in the See, movie. Eric, the reason he's the 100% accurate Santa is because, as the card says, <laughs> you forfeit your right to any other uh, well, I, identity. Well, I, I mean, like, as a whole meta oh, sort yeah, of thing. Oh, yeah, yeah, totally. It, it's hmm. it's like, a very uh, Santa. Very Coca-Cola Santa. How about that? <laughs> <laughs> it definitely fits the iconic Santa. Um. Uh, a thing that I, when I was watching it, that it struck me as because there's the moment of him walking down the street doing the naughty and nice with everybody, and then there's the attractive lady, and you know their whole not in your dream sleigh boy. But that means that she was on the list of people that believe in Santa. <laughs> just, just one of those ones where I was like. I never thought about that until I was watching it for the podcast. She's waiting for the real Santa. And it was just a funny thing that it was like, if her name is on the list of people to get gifts, she believes in Santa. And it was, it was just kind of amusing. And I was like, that's, that's pretty good. Oh, and uh, it does have one of my favorite transitions of any movie. Which is the uh, TV that's playing the uh, fantastic dinner. Mm-hmm. And then we find out it's the TV and that they don't have dinner. I always thought that was great. That's just. 
It's a great subversion of expectations. Yeah. But yeah, well, we've gone through a lot of things here on the Santa Claus. It's been a lot of time. Uh, some things horrifying, some things jolly. I mean, who's to say they can't mix together like an Eldritch horror? I mean, there, there's really only one Jack thing Skellington left to say. Jack Skellington agrees. But uh, yeah, we, we have to thank our patrons because uh, they have given us the gift of uh, new equipment, actually, guys. We, we have headphones that were built specifically for this using patron money. It's what we use to listen to ourselves talk. But new uh, microphone arms and cables. And yes, we really do appreciate the patrons. They al- they're they the ones who allow us to keep um, podcasting. And I haven't checked twice, but I'm pretty sure they're on the nice list. Very nice. And uh, yeah, what's your thoughts? Uh, what did, did Santa forget to give you a gift? Put it on our, make a comment on Facebook with a like. Maybe he'll listen to it. I mean, he's got to be. He's listening to everyone. Or in 280 characters or less, let us know what type of elf the Santa elves and Santa fall into. Are they the changeling elves? Are they Tolkien elves? Or are they the more fey elves? Or if it doesn't fit in 248 characters... You can give the list of precautions that you are taking to keep you and your family safe this Christmas from the true fay and their bargains. Send us an email at plotspacklepodcast at gmail.com. The Santa is dead. Long live the Santa.